So the whole tournament basically would just revolve around breaking things. Yes. Yes. So you would have, um, so like from Taekwondo, you'd have um, like creative breaks where you'd have a bunch of different stations mm-hmm. and they'd go around and they do all the different breaks. They do the knife in, they do the, you know, tornado kicks and all fancy stuff. Right. Then you'd have the power breaks. No, that's where you'd get all the bigger, big guys that would do, you know, hammer fist and stomp and elbow. Um, and then, you know, whoever broke the most won. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Conversations from the Hearth. This morning, we are joined by Junior Bashta of Bashta's Martial Arts. Sir, good to see you this morning. Hello. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's exciting to have you. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about yourself, sir? Yeah, so um, I have been training since I was five years old. Um, started just... Um, kind of because my my friends my my neighbors kind of growing up in a neighborhood and you know one kid does something and next thing you know everyone else does it too and uh you know kind of fell in love with it and you know knew that it was my passion um and then uh ended up opening our uh our school when I was uh I was 17 years old I was actually still in high school uh opened it along with my parents and yeah we're 16 years in now amazing so you guys must be very close as a family very absolutely it is uh it's something that um my father also trained um you know when I was younger he kind of jumped in a little bit after I had started and um you know it was something that kind of kept us close uh it was kind of a bond that was kind of created and now I've passed that on to my children as well Mm. um so yeah, it's a it's a, a big big happy family for sure. Yeah, has it been uh, challenging to work as a family at times, or has it always been you know, pretty rosy? <laughs> um, so so what I will say is that it, it definitely it, it blends the the family dynamic when there are you know family things that are communicated you know within the walls of the of the, the school, and then vice versa. You know, I mean, it, it seems like you know. The, the main topic at hand at, you know, Sunday dinner ends up being, you know, the next marketing strategy or, you know, h- how we're going to handle, you know, whatever. So um, it, I would say it's different. I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely not like, you know, most people's situation, but I love it. So, you know, it works for us. <laughs> I run my school with my wife too, so I understand. But uh, yeah. is your dad um, more senior or less senior than you? Uh, less senior, less senior. Yeah. So, so interesting, interesting situation there. He must have. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, um, so I would be considered the senior rank on the floor, but as soon as I walk off the floor, that's not the case anymore. So (laughs) (laughs) good dad. Yeah. So so. I hear you've done a lot of, uh, tournament competition. Is this specifically in sport karate? Uh, yeah. So, um, it's something that, you know, coming up in the Northeast, uh, being from Connecticut, there are so many um, accomplished martial artists that are, you know, from our area. Um, you know, you have the crane circuit, 
Uh, you have the NASCA circuit, you had NBL that came up, you know, when I was younger, you had um, different organizations like UMACA and, you know, just, uh, you know, a, a lot of different um, organizations that it was very easy um, for competition, you know, so it was, again, it was something that we kind of fell in love with young. And then once we opened our school, um, you know, we, you know, we, we tried to pass that on to our students, you know. That's awesome. So, yeah, what was that experience like growing up and competing? It sounds like you've been to over 200 tournaments or, or, or there. Yeah. It's a lot. Yeah, of, it, so were you going like every every couple months to a tournament? Uh, more like every couple of weeks. Uh, week. um, I mean, I yeah, I could say, I mean, especially, I mean, it, it's different in different places, right? So, um, so for us in the Northeast, I mean, if you drive an hour in one direction or the other, you're in another state. Mm -hmm. So like, you know, we would do tournaments in, you know, Connecticut, Rhode Island, Massachusetts, New York, and you'd be at a different tournament almost every couple weeks. You'd see the same group of people, but you'd kind of create, you know, those close bonds with people outside your school. Um, it, it was, it was nice. You know, it was, it was cool. It was kind of, you know, similar to people doing, you know, uh, you know, travel league baseball or basketball or whatever, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I actually grew up in Rhode Island, so I know that area. I was part of the USDU though. So I don't know if you. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 It's my competing. There you go. Yeah, we're in Warwick all the time. Gotcha. Warwick, Rhode Island, more, more than I, I care to be, but we're... <laughs> Grandmaster Pong in Rhode Island. I'm sorry, what was the name? Grandmaster Jin Pong in Rhode Island. Hong that, sounds very, that sounds very familiar. Yeah, he was my original master in Rhode Island. Wow. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a very uh, close-knit community, especially, you know, within our area, you have, you know, um, you know, a, a lot of very accomplished, you know, martial artists, like, you know, my original instructor was, um, you know, Grandmaster Alex Ziwak, and he learned under Tehi Lee, and he Il Cho, so if, you know, growing up, I, you know, went to, you know, uh, Grandmaster Il Cho seminars, you know, awesome. all the time, it was cool, it was really cool. Sure, that's cool. So I was noticing on your website, you kind of tell you kind of talk about your school as having a traditional martial arts program and then a like a sport karate program. How do you see those things as different, and how do you navigate that difference in your school? Um, I, I think that you know the concepts are very similar, but the way that they're employed is different. So for for me, you know, with a, a traditional martial arts background, you know, primarily, I, I don't consider myself a sport martial artist, but um, with a true background, your fundamentals are what they are. They are how they're supposed to be. Those things can get tweaked a little bit when you go into a competitive setting because now it's subjective, you know? So, you know, when you do a, a form, you know, just, you know, normally it's done exactly how it's supposed to be. But you may, you know, fine tune a couple things to suit others' tastes a little bit more in a, a competitive setting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's awesome. Yeah. Your sport, uh, you have like a team at your school that Yeah. So we had, we had a, a, a very large, very accomplished team for a long time. Um, you know, of course, over the last, you know, little bit, you know, 
things change for sure. Um, you know, we were definitely one of the hardest hit areas as far as um, you know, everything kind of shut down. You know, the, the only way to, to conduct business was through Zoom, you know, which ends up working out, you know, down the road. But, um, you know, at that point, everything went. So you, you saw a rise in virtual tournaments, which isn't the same thing. Yeah. So, my, you know. My master out there, he runs the Rhode Island State Tournament, um, and he had to close it down for the first year in like 25 years. And I was. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really sad because I mean, it's, it's something that, you know, you kind of take for granted. I mean, we, you know, we did for so long. It's like, ah, it's gone on, for, you know, umpteen years. Mm-hmm. It's not going to go anywhere. And then, well, you know, now it's, it's not a, you know, it, it's sad, even as far as schools. I mean, I'm, I'm sure that even in, in your area as well, um, for us, I mean, if we had say 10 schools, you know, in our town, we may only have two or three now. Yeah. A lot of, you know, a lot of them, they, they weren't either capable or willing to, you know, embrace technology and step outside of that comfort zone, you yeah. know? A lot of the smaller schools went under for sure. Sad. Yeah, it's very sad. Very sad. Yeah. <clears throat> so <clears throat> you competed, you know, all your life and um, what... That probably that experience of going and competing and pushing yourself uh, taught you a lot about indomitable spirit and, and doing what, you know, a lot of people, you know, they go to their first tournament and they get, you know, knocked down or they lose and they never want to go back again. Uh, what kind of, uh, you know, inspiration would you give to a, a new or even maybe a veteran martial artist about like sticking with their goals and pushing themselves to, you know, be the best that they can be? So, you know, the, the hardest thing now is that people look at it and they look at where another person is and they want to be there. Mm. They, you know, nobody wants to set the table, but everyone wants to eat. Mm. And, you know, so you kind of have to go through that process and kind of embrace it and go through those difficult times. So that way, then when you get there, it makes sense. Because if you have immediate success, you're not going to understand how to push through that struggle, you know, because you, you will have that, you know. Um, I was not, I'm, I'm, I'll be the first one to say it. I'm not the greatest athlete. I'm not the most talented, you know, individual, um, but I'm stubborn almost to a fault. You know, I, I, if, if I can't do it today, I'm going to go and figure it out, you know. Um, and that's kind of what I embraced as a, you know, as a coach as well is, I mean, I get more out of seeing other people do than I did out of seeing myself do, you know, it it means more for me, you know, um, and that's definitely not for everybody, but for that new person coming in, um, it's, it's just the fact of, um, just enjoying it embracing it, you know, uh, understand there's going to be, you know, ebb and flow. It's not going to be a steady straight line. Uh, and just enjoy the journey, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, absolutely. I feel like almost every person I've ever met has done martial arts at some point in their life. Maybe they got their yellow belt or something, but very, Mm -hmm. you know, stick it out. And, uh, 
and even fewer still push themselves to compete, which is, you know, kind of a vulnerable position to be in, especially if you don't do well at first, because you mm -hmm. gotta, you know, suck it up and push yourself to, uh, to get up back out there. Um, I was looking a little information on you. It sounded like you had worked with children with um, disabilities before. Yes. Tell us a little bit about that. So I'm, for me, I, I enjoy working with children regardless of the situation. And I, I encounter this all the time where, you know, parents will come in and they'll say, hey, you know, I'd, I'd you know, like for my child to, you know, participate in martial arts. And then they lean into you really close and then they go, but he, uh, he has, uh, you know, whatever. And it's like, why, like, first of all, why are we ashamed? Like, why, why are we saying it like that? Like, for me, I, working with anybody, you know, whether it's, you know, um, on the, the, you know, the spectrum, it's some sort of a delay, um, it's some sort of behavioral issue. Their ability to learn falls on me. It doesn't fall on them. Mm. It falls on me. If I'm capable of, of passing on that information, finding out how they learn, then they can learn. But if I try to do it cookie cutter and mainline them the same way that I would any other kid, it's not going to work. But that's not a reflection of them. That's a reflection of me. Yeah. So, it, and sometimes it means more because those kids have been kind of neglected and pushed aside. Mm -hmm. um, they're not given that same, you know, time of day. So when you do work with them, I, you know, for me, I get more out of it. Yeah. So. And did you have like, it sounded like discovery program. What is this? Mm -hmm. So discovery program was basically, uh, it was like a special needs program. It was, and we did it for kids and adults. I mean, I've, I've done it. Um, I've done independent groups um, for children. Um, but I've also done independent groups for adults, you know, um, working age adults that may, you know, uh, live in a, you know, in a, a home and assisted, you know, home. Um, that they were brought into to the school and they loved it. It was it, it was really enjoyable to to work, you know. And I like to be able to learn how you know people learn, and to, to then be able to make that connection with them, you know, uh, on something beyond just you know saying hi or whatever, you know. Yeah, I, I this is a big part of what we do is work with kids like that, and I think we have such a powerful impact on their lives it can sometimes be very challenging when you know you have someone who's like really autistic on like the lower mm -hmm. spectrum and I've worked with some that they have trouble navigating when is the right time to hit you know mm -hmm. you can hit mm -hmm. the paddle but you can't hit your instructor <laughs> right 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 strategies that you've used over the years that you might be able to pass on to like our instructors or people who are watching this that are teaching uh, to help work with kids like that, you know? So, well, I mean, first it's kind of understanding and recognizing um, if there is any, you know, particular instance that, you know, causes aggression or, you know, uh, emotional response. Um, one thing that is, has helped me is, you know, exactly like that is, you know, instead of utilizing the term me, like look at me or, you know, come with me saying, look at junior or come with junior, because the, the, the terminology sometimes just doesn't click. And it's something that's worked for me. It's something that I've, I've actually uh, done for, you know, the better part of 15 years. 
Um, and it's not always the case. I mean, so when you think about like the, the spectrum, it is such a broad term. There, there are so many shades of gray that, you know, it's the same as, you know, you, you can't consider, you know, able-minded, able-bodied. You can't really, you know, utilize that terminology, but you also can't just lump everybody into a spectrum because everything is going to be different. So really you, you kind of have to use, you know, your better judgment. And as an instructor, you know, you have to do exactly that. You have to find the best way to instruct the individual um, and whatever it is that, that you can get is, is great. You know, slow progress is still progress. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's, that's a big thing, you know? Um, another thing that I do with, with kids, especially, you know, um, if they're on the spectrum or even just younger kids in general, is I work a lot on sequencing mm. where they'll do, you know, left, right, left, right, left, right. So that way then, eventually they can do it on their own and then when they pick up that they did it on their own it's exciting to them mm. you know so it's yeah. yeah it's little things yeah that's a good strategy um so to kind of rewind a little bit and go back to tournament competition stuff and mm -hmm. also talk about the pandemic and whatnot um how how did the pandemic affect your business and then also I heard that you have a tournament, the Nantucket. Uh... Uh, uh, Nutmeg State Nationals, yeah. <laughs> the Nutmeg... That's all right, close enough. I wish it was Nantucket. That'd be cool. <laughs> uh, uh, tournament, were you able to do that? Uh, no. So we had actually stopped doing the, the tournament the year before. Um, so our tournament started as a sport karate specific tournament. So we were running uh, as part of the crane circuit. Um, which is the, the Karate Referees Association of New England. Um, so we were, we were running the, the tournament through them, and we had a really good, um, a good run of that. We, had, we ran it for eight years, um, had really good size uh, turnouts. And then after that, you know, we kind of stepped away from doing the sport karate, and we actually ended up doing uh, breaking. Mm. as opposed to to that so for a while we had some breaking in there usba wba uh, both boards and uh concrete and that was what we did for the last two years was specifically just board breaking and, and concrete how do, you, um, how do you do that they have to buy their board uh when they yeah, yeah. yes so so they buy they buy their material um <laughs> you have to take out a loan first <laughs> and then, uh, <laughs> no, it's, uh, it, it's certainly, it's certainly, uh, an expensive endeavor, yeah. but, um, you, you have a very devoted, it's a small group. It's, it's very, you know, niche, but right. you have a very dedicated group that are willing to drop car notes on, you know, material for tournaments. Yeah. And they love it. They love it. Yeah. So the whole tournament basically would just revolve around breaking things. Yes. Yes. So you would have, um, so like from Taekwondo, you'd have um, like creative breaks where you have a bunch of different stations mm -hmm. and they'd go around and they do all the different breaks. They do the knife hand, they do the, you know, tornado kicks and all fancy stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. Then you'd have the power breaks. No, that's where you'd get all the bigger, big guys that would do, you know, hammer fist and stomp and elbow. Um, and then, you know, whoever broke the most won. Yeah. Mm. 
So it's awesome. Cool. It's fun. It's definitely fun. You know. But, Where did you? Yeah. There were you more the demo guy or more the power breaker? I was more of the power breaker guy. So, you know, for me, like I was always a bigger guy, you know, when I was younger, um, I was always a a larger guy. And um, so the the power breaking, you know, was more my thing, especially concrete. You know, I I enjoyed, you know, the breaking concrete. Um, I think it goes back to that stubborn thing, you know, where it was like someone would say, oh, it's going to hurt. Well, you know, I kind of want to see. So. Right. I would do it, you know, and it hurt, <laughs> but you know, you, you do it. when uh, the kid breaks and, you know, the parent is surprised that it hurt, you know, it's like, well, he broke it. It, it shouldn't hurt. It's like, no, he's breaking through like wood or yeah. concrete, you know, it's going to hurt. Yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> hurt absolutely. Less if you break it, but it's still going to hurt. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's, uh, that's an interesting one in and of itself when you get the, the, you know, parent reactions to, things that their kids are doing. And I try to tell the, the parents all the time, you know, I, I joke with the parents, you know, it's, it's kind of a way for me to, to, you know, make connections with them. Yeah. And I'm like, well, you didn't sign them up for chess, right? Like, right. you know, they're, yeah. they're, they're going to get hit, you know, or I'll tell them, I'll say, you know, martial arts is, is, you know, there's going to be contact. I mean, martial arts without contact is dance. Yeah. Mm. Absolutely. Uh, you know, it's, uh, it is, you know, it is funny how that you didn't have to used to explain that nearly as much as I feel like you have to now, you know? Yeah. This was the obvious yeah. that there was going to be some contact and, you know, you're learning to be a warrior. What do you expect? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, uh, it's different. Um, and it's, it's really, really easy, you know, for us to, to say, you know, I hear people, you know, and I've, I've said it myself in, in a joking manner where you're like, uh, I'm, I'm worried about this generation. And it's like, it's not really this generation, you know, it, this kind of, this generation is kind of like that because they were allowed to be like that. And the generation before us said the same thing about us, you know, so it, it'll constantly be like that. It is different though. There's, there's a lot of differences. What, one thing that I notice about uh, kids in martial arts now is because of, you know, the instant gratification of, you know, video games or, you know, being on doing all this right they want they want everything now we were just talking about this in our last podcast where um it's so easy to learn so much so fast on a very superficial level these Mm -hmm. days especially with youtube you can get on there and you can learn like a hundred different submissions in like a couple hours and yep. you get the, the golden nuggets from like the grandmaster who he spends entire life figuring out one little tweak to the technique that makes it so much more effective. And you can get like all of those lined up and just pound them out. And then you can think like, you really know a lot about martial arts, but then when you actually get in there, you start rolling around, you start sparring, <laughs> you're like, I don't know how to put any of this into action. And you realize you really don't know anything. But the problem is sometimes that can be a hard thing to articulate and teach to a student mm-hmm. in a, you know, without taking years and years and years of time on the mat. And um, that tacit knowledge, the knowledge that is learned through doing that is really hard to put into a video and articulate with words, that is something that I feel like is not appreciated enough in modern times. You know, I get a lot of kids coming in and I'll... I'll tell them something. I'm like, man, I spent 30 years figuring this little bit out. And I'm so proud. I'm so excited to share this with them. And they're like, okay, yeah, next. 
you know, and I'm like, ah, no, like, no, yeah. no, like, like, look deeper, look deeper. Like, yeah. I just said to you, it was so insightful and, and you don't even appreciate it. Um, yeah. So, it, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's kind of the TikTok generation. It's, you know, the, everything fits into little tight, you know, compact nugget. Mm-hmm. And then it's ne- to the next one. Um, the other thing is, you know, children in general, um, I mean, obviously not all children, but pretty much all children, they, they listen to respond. They don't listen to, to absorb. They're not listening to what you're telling them to take what you're saying and apply it. They're listening. So you'll stop saying words so that they can then say words. Yeah. That's, you know, that's kind of how it works. And I mean, that's what happens. You have, yeah, do, you, do you have like a little warriors program or like a little ninjas or something like that like a three to five year old yeah oh yeah we call them our baby bulls do, do you ever have i'm sure you had this experience a million times where you're like okay guys and you start to ask a question and before you even ask your question you got like 10 hands raised up and they're all like i'm ready to go i'm ready to go. i was like yep even know what the question is you don't know exactly. if you can answer it but you're ready you know that's, that's kind of how Wait. little kids think you know there's they're already primed yeah to say what they're going to say, they're not even listening to what you're saying. Mm. Yeah, they are the absolute inverse of teenagers. So when they're little, they, they are more than happy to, to raise their hand and answer the question even when they don't know. Mm-hmm. Teenagers look at each other, because I have a lot. I mean, that used to be like the, yeah. the, the lost age group. You didn't have that, because karate's not cool at that age, right? But, you know, we have a lot of those where they will stand there, fully know the answer to your question and refuse to raise their hand because they don't want to look uncool. Yes, that's true. You know? Yeah. So, because they don't want to look like a, you know, a nerd, like, oh, you, of course you know it. <laughs> right. You know? But, ah. yeah. Challenges of teaching, but that's what's fun. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a really interesting strange way to make a living i mean i I explain it to people i'm like i'm living the dream i work barefoot you know what i mean like who can really say that like that is you know right there i love it yeah yeah i people would kill for that you know i just i'm just living the dream that's it Mm -hmm. but no it's great that's awesome well it's been great having you on jesse do you have any questions for i do um so going back to working with students, you know, young or old with disabilities or with, you know, some kind of difference, right, in their learning style, I had the opportunity a couple of years ago to work at a camp for the blind uh, mm. out in California. And, you know, we went in and, and learned from day one how to sort of navigate some of those differences and this is this is more of like a personal anecdote but I'm wondering if you have any moments or stories like this but one of the boys who was out there he was around my age at that time you know maybe 19 or 20 and you know fully blind mm-hmm. um, blindness is a spectrum as well you know so often we think okay well of course you can see or you can't but there's people that are like well I can perceive whether it's light or dark or I can kind of you know make out this thing or if I get really close I can see perfectly but I just can't see um anyway right I will never forget this moment where you know we turned on some music and it was one of the dance parties and if you have not been to a blind dance party 
it's amazing. It's so amazing. <laughs> it sounds amazing. There's no fear. It's just you know, because nobody can see you. And so you see this the most natural, unapologetic dance ever. And one of our co-counselors was a martial artist, a blind martial artist. And instead of you know dancing in a sort of traditional way he just would go through his forms to the music and oh that's cool that that image has stuck with me um you know even before beginning my martial arts training i just i always loved that and i was wondering if you have any really standout moments of working with that population um that you kind of hold dear um so i can say that you know Probably, it, it's probably been about, about 16 years ago. I had a family come in and uh, the daughter was autistic and the son was autistic. Mm -hmm. the, the daughter was maybe four and the son was maybe two. Wow. Um, and I, I remember actually working with both of them um, and being able to kind of work with them. And that was actually my first exposure. That mm. was my first time ever working. I mean, it, it's, as an instructor, you, you don't want to, you never want to say, I can't work with your kid, Absolutely. right? It doesn't, you know what I mean? It doesn't matter. Like that's, that speaks to your ability to, you know, convey information. So of course at that age, I mean, I, I'm like, yeah, I can do that. And then, you know, being able to actually work through it, I learned more than I feel that they did, mm -hmm. you know? So being able to, to, you know, get it across and be able to work, I found that more, more enriching for myself than, than anything. And it kind of adjusted and shifted the way that I looked at everything else. Because, I mean, when you're kids, I mean, I think that a lot of, a lot of people say, you know, very hurtful, mean things, mm -hmm. um, about people that, you know, um, may not learn the way that you learn and, and, um, and kids, and kids can be very mean, but then when you actually get a chance to, to work with somebody that, you know, that may be on the spectrum, it is, it, it is very enjoyable. It's, it's great because they, they, there's no concern. They appreciate what, what it is that you do for them. They don't, there's, they're not worried about looking cool or not looking cool. You know, so for me, I think that it would probably be my, my first exposure to working with uh, special needs children, sure. probably. Um, but I, I love being able to work with whether it's somebody that's deaf or somebody that's blind um, and challenging myself because they don't have the same. So like if, if you if you are blind, you're probably not a visual learner. Right. Of so if you or, you know, if you're deaf, you're probably not an audible learner. So now that that kind of, you know, narrows it down. Are you tactile? Are you visual? Are you verbal? Are you, you know, what? So now breaking down the way that you learn, um, it, it's fun for me. It's like a, a Rubik's cube. Yes. Yes, sir. You know, it seems like you really enjoy teaching and I find that really refreshing. I mean, I I wish everyone was like you and the way that they approach teaching. But sometimes I find instructors get into teaching because it's the next step um, in their progression as a martial artist and they really just want to get the ego of being the head honcho and mm -hmm. having underlings and all that kind of thing but it, it seems like uh, we are kindred hearts in this idea like when I work with kids 
it's like a it's like a problem to be solved. How can I help them the best to achieve the best success for them? Right. You know, and every kid comes in differently. You know, you get the kid who comes in, he's screaming and moving all over the place. And we're really just working on getting them to develop some self-control. And, and that can be a really challenging, nuanced thing. You know, for some kids, you gotta, you know, um, just give them structure. They've never had structure before. And so just having structure in your body, like self-control in your body teaches them a lot mm -hmm. about how to have it in themselves. Other times, you know, you have to, you know, be, you know, become their friend a little bit, you know, sometimes you have to chide them a little, you know, and there's just all these different, like, you know, techniques that we need to use to get them to obey. But it's, um, for me, it's kind of like, using different mediums to create a beautiful masterpiece of art. And, and, and I, I, I feel like teaching is as much an art as anything. It's not, mm. it's not just as like, like, I hear a lot of teachers tell me things like, oh, I just like passing down knowledge. And I'm like, Ugh. That, that, that's kind of ugh to me. Like, yeah, I like yeah, passing that's... down knowledge, but it's like, well, well, I'm so smart that like, I want to pass down my knowledge. I, I actually like, like trying to have personal relationships with people, connect with them understand where they're coming from and learn how to help them digest the curriculum as best as possible mm -hmm. and achieve the greatest success possible you know absolutely it's uh, for me i look at it as you know like you have your toolbox right everyone has their toolbox and the the knowledge that you know we're able to to have them absorb because i can throw whatever at them but if they don't absorb it it doesn't matter but yeah. they're taking tools and they're filling their toolbox, right? And you're not going to use every tool, but you never know when you're going to need it. So having it in your toolbox is necessary. Mm, um, and, and as far as, you know, discipline, you know, you, you have a lot of times, you know, people will come in and, um, you know, they're, they're, their kids are kind of, you know, running around and spinning around. And um, it's kind of funny, but I'll have, you know, a, a parent that'll come in and go, I want my kid to learn discipline. And I'm like, okay, so why are you here? Mm -hmm. Why, like, I mean, I, I can, I can try, but I'm going to see your kid for three hours a week. What, what, like, it's cool. Like, I can, I can do that. But if I do that and then he goes home with you and you don't do that, we're not getting anywhere. It, it, we have to kind of work hand in hand because it doesn't work Absolutely. otherwise, you know? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, well, that's, that's what I sometimes have to articulate to parents. If, you know, you have a student that you've been working with for like a month or something and the parents like, well, I'm not seeing the change I want to see. And you're like, okay, the kid's 14 years old. He's had 14 years with you. He's yeah. Had one month with me and he sees me twice a week for an hour. I'm, I'm going to see him for a little longer than a month. You know what I mean? Exactly. It's just, you know. Yeah. Unbelievable, if, but. if you go to the if you go to the gym twice a week and you know for an hour are you going to see abs in a, a month probably yeah. not exactly you know so yeah. i mean but, i mean that's you know. that's a great thing to articulate to the parents and you know we try to do the same thing at our school is like it's we are working together to achieve success mm -hmm. in your in your child and sometimes you know i know because i'm a parent myself 
um, despite your best efforts, you get into a bad relationship with your kid where, you know, everything you say is just not heard anymore. And you really need someone to come from the outside, not saying that I'm any better than the parent, mm -hmm. but I'm a different person. I'm from the outside. And if you can right. lift me up a little bit, I can use that authority to help reshape your child so that they can bring it home to you. But we have to be on the same team, you know, right? working on yeah. both sides. Yeah, it's, it has to do with being a non-biased voice. When you hear that third party say the exact same thing that the parent said, yeah. it clicks different in a kid. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, one last question before we let you go. The question that all those sassy teenagers want to hear, um, have you <laughs> ever used your martial arts for self-defense and do you have a fun story to tell us? Um, so I, I have. Um, I mean you know, growing up, I'm an 80s baby. I grew up in the 90s and we fought back then. We didn't, we didn't do this that much. We did, we did this more. I mean, that's just how it was. Um, not, not necessarily something that I'm proud of, but um, certainly did. Um, and I will say this, I mean, regardless of how long I've done this for, um, there's a lot of theoretical martial artists. Mm -hmm. There are people that think that because they train in martial arts that they are foolproof uh, I'm here to tell you that's not the case whatsoever <laughs> I mean you you may you may think that you know what you're going to do um, but that doesn't always work I remember being you know young maybe elementary school age and you know feeling you know pretty good you know I train I'm, I'm tough I could do this and uh, you know just getting roughed up on the playground and going wow that's not how I expected it to go at all. But I mean, that's, you know, that's, that's kind of how it goes. You know, you win some, you lose some. Definitely been on both sides of, uh, of the coin. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, I'm very thankful that, that, you know, I had my martial arts training because mm -hmm. um, at least when I got socked, I knew how to break my fall. So <laughs> that was good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, it's definitely, and I feel like self-defense is a good bit mental, you know, and if people don't have that mentality, they're not going to be ready for it. You know, the guy out there who wants to do harm to you is mentally very fierce, very aggressive. And, you know, we have in my school some great, like every school, not, uh, you know, spotlight in my school in particular, but like every school, you know, we have some really great practitioners who understand the techniques and principles, but they're just such nice people and they haven't developed that kind of warrior fire, which is gonna be really necessary when they go to defend themselves. And if you're not ready for it mentally, you're not gonna do well. It's like the first time you ever go to a tournament and you're used to sparring everyone in the school and like, these are all your friends and you're palling around and you're mm -hmm. using light contact. And then you go to the first tournament and the guy comes like a bat out of hell and ran, like kicks you right in the face, like as hard as he possibly can. And you're like, what just happened what just yeah. happened and you're like you have to recalibrate like this guy he wants to win like he's going to try to destroy you you know you have to be ready to destroy him um, right. and that same reality that you face when you go to tournament that's why i think tournament competition is so important and i competed you know all the time every month when i was growing up as well um is developing that mental fire is just it's essential i i i you know in the martial arts that's what um you know, the black belt symbolizes is that you have that inner inner fire 
to be used at a time of need. Right. Right. I mean, you know, for, for me, there, there are three different ways to approach a, you know, um, confrontation, fight, flight, or freeze. Mm -hmm. And some people do, you know, one of those three, but you have to have some fight. Um, I unfortunately, you know, was bestowed with pretty much all fight, not a lot of flight, um, which, you know, obviously helped me when I was, you know, little getting into fights, but um, certainly, you know, I do have a lot of people that are, you know, immensely talented martial artists, but they freeze, mm. you know, they, they have all the techniques. It looks so pretty, but in a pressure situation, they freeze, you know, and it's my job to be able to fix that, you know, cause that's not a, that's not a technical issue. That's a, that's a, a, a mental or an emotional issue mm. that has to be worked through, through communication. And that's why martial arts training is so important because everyone says, I'm sure you've experienced this too, like growing up, you know, oh, well, I've never done any martial arts before and they've never really gotten in a fight before, but they said, if I get in a fight, you don't understand. I'm going to be like this monster. You know, I'm going to get in there yeah. and do all stuff. And yeah. like, no, you're not. No, you're not. You, you've yeah. never actually had that experience before. You're going to freeze or you're going to run away. You're going to do one of those two yeah. things. You're not going to stand up to it. And that's why, even though you might use those physical skills, like those self-defense skills, maybe once or twice in your life, if you're unlucky, you're going to use that warrior spirit every single day of your life. You're going to build it up by, you know, sparring on the mats. And then even if you never use those self-defense skills out on the street, you're going to use that inner fire to, you know, negotiate a better uh, pay raise at your job, you know, get a better position, like push yourself to do better in school and, and to have a better life outcome. That's how it's going to manifest. But if you don't have it, then the outcome of what would happen on the street in a self-defense situation is going to happen to you every single day in life. That's right. It's, it, it's true. I mean, it, it really, it does, uh, it plays so much more than just the actual physical combat element, right? So being able to handle uh, confrontation and be able to work through it, a lot of it has to do with confidence. You know, being able to know you know, so the, the further along I went, I mean, again, when I was, you know, really young and really, you know, low rank, and, you know, whatever, I was, I was a kid. But as you, as you progress, that confidence in your own ability, not overconfidence, but your confidence, your understanding of your own ability allows you to be in a position where you're like, I don't have to do this. I don't, I don't have to mm -hmm. resort to that. I can, you know, work my way through it and not have to do that and, you know, be better because of it. So yeah, it, uh, it absolutely works. Well, thank you so much for coming on our show. It's been a real pleasure and honor. And absolutely. I wish you best of luck with your school. I know this is still, we're not out of the woods yet and these are difficult right. times, but um, um, I feel like things are looking up and hopefully, you know, things will get better. And I wish you the best of luck with your tournament and your school and everything. Absolutely. Thank you guys so much for having me. It was great. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. If you enjoyed that podcast, please consider liking and subscribing to our YouTube channel, as well as hitting the notification bell. We offer in-person group and private lessons at our facility in Kyle, Texas, as well as virtual lessons anywhere in the world. If you'd like to learn more about our programs, you can find us online at risingphoenixtkd.com.